Okay, well, I wanted to welcome everybody to our November potluck. This is Dilla Barman with Triangle Vegetarian Society. And uh, we are lucky to have a very good speaker with us today. Uh, before we introduce the speaker, let me just mention that our biggest event of the year is coming up, the Triangle Vegetarian Society Thanksgiving. So uh, we're almost sold out. It's, uh, we have capacity for about 400 people. Um, full details are available at trianglevegsociety.org. Um, and if you're interested, sign up as soon as possible. Um, our next event is our holiday party. It's, uh, I think it's the second Saturday in December, and it's one of my favorite potlucks of the year. So please try to join us. It's fun. We have a little white elephant gift exchange. We actually have lots of fun things. New Year's Eve, we have uh, a holiday party, uh, part two. <laughs> it's uh, New Year's Eve. We actually volunteer for first night in Raleigh. And if you're willing to sign up for a two-hour time slot, then you can um, help children uh, with various crafts and things of that nature. And then you get a, t uh, a button that gets you in for free to first night. There's lots of activities, music and dance and so forth. I haven't confirmed yet, but we usually get donated vegan pizza from Lily's Pizza. And uh, so after we volunteer, you can then come. We actually have somebody's house who's just a few miles from downtown. So you get to eat some good vegan pizza for free and maybe a salad and some drinks and then go back and enjoy first night. So I invite you all to that. And then a uh, whole new year of great events begins after that. Um, today, we have, uh, first of all, to thank Larry and Arlene for hosting today's potluck. The food was excellent and the location was really nice, beautiful out in the country and very nice home. So thank you, Arlene, for all you've done for the potluck and, and Larry as well. So, Larry and Arlene operate the U.S. Kinesiology Training Institute here in Chapel Hill. Um, apparently, and we never talked about this, but uh, Larry uh, also teaches gourmet vegetarian cooking. Perhaps Arlene is involved with that as well, I'm not sure. <laughs> um, Larry's been vegetarian, Larry Green's been vegetarian since 1974. He's uh, a certified kinesiology instructor and trainer. And, um, you know, one thing that's kind of interesting is um, in Western medicine, we often focus on things after they happen. We focus on fixing things. So there's this alternative approach that I think all of us are probably familiar with in complementary medicine, trying to address root causes and try to um, uh, get our bodies into states which are more immune to disease and um, so Larry knows this better than, than most. He's been involved with complementary health for, for more than 25 years now. And uh, in particular with kinesiology, his involvement goes back till uh, about 1990. Uh, kinesiology is the science and art of muscle testing. Um, and the interesting thing about kinesiology is some of us have heard about this and in a minute we'll learn a lot more about the details of what exactly it is. But one thing that real, that's really interesting that ties Larry's talk to our missions in life kind of is many of us are vegetarian because we we like animals we don't want to kill animals and um, so Larry um, can apply kinesiology not just to humans but to non-human animals as well so those of you who have companion animals at home he'll talk about some techniques that you could use to to um, introduce to your dogs cats and, and other companions so today Larry's going to spend maybe about half an hour and talk a little bit about what is kinesiology how does it apply to our lives and the lives of our companion animals? And I believe Larry is going to actually give us a simple technique to reduce stress in our lives and use apply some of these techniques. 
So with that, Larry, thank you. Great. Great, thank you, Dilip, and uh, welcome everybody. Uh, my name is Larry Green, and I am a kinesiologist, and a lot of people often say, what is that? So um, in kinesiology, we use muscle testing as a form of biofeedback to get information from the body about different things that are causing stress or causing the system to be out of balance. And you can get information at the physical level, the biochemical level, the emotional level, the energetic level, the mental level, the spiritual level. So you're actually able to access information at many different levels. And because of that, when I work with people, we can work at a lot of levels. So if somebody comes to see me and they have a low back pain, it may be that we work at a structural level with their low back pain. But it also may be that we access what nutritionally they might be eating that's causing the muscles to not maintain their integrity. It also may be that they've got some emotional things going on where they're not feeling supported or the back's not being able to maintain itself because of something else going on. Um, so it's a really wonderful science. Uh, it was originally developed um, in 1964 by a chiropractor from Detroit named Dr. George Goodhart. And um, he had people who would come in regularly for chiropractic adjustments. And he'd find that there were people who'd come back week after week for the same adjustment. And uh, he thought that's not really what he went into chiropractic for. He wanted to get people better on a more permanent basis, not on a temporary basis or sort of a revolving door basis. Um, and so he realized that uh, he'd been trained in chiropractic school to adjust bones. Uh, but that if the bones are out, if the vertebrae are out, and the body is in discomfort, you're going to hold your musculature a little differently to compensate so that it doesn't hurt so much. If you walk around like that for a couple of weeks and you reset the spine, but the musculature is still holding in the pattern it's gotten used to for the last couple of weeks, it's just going to pull the spine back out again. So he realized he had to find a way to address muscles as well as the vertebrae. And so through a series of um, experimentation and serendipity and trial and error and luck, he came up with a series of interventions to help people maintain their um, posture in a way that supported the system. And there's actually another field of study called kinesiology, which studies how muscles move through space. How do, if you, you know, raise your arm, what muscles are involved in doing that, which ones have to turn on, which ones have to turn off. And Dr. Goodhart wanted people to understand that what he had developed was not just the study of how muscles work, but that you could apply things to enhance the quality of the muscles functioning. So he called his system Applied Kinesiology. And to this day, it's taught to doctors all over the world. But you have to be a medical doctor, a chiropractor, um, an osteopath, uh, or have a license to diagnose to go and take um, the training called Applied Kinesiology, called AK. One of his first students was a chiropractor from Pasadena, California, named Dr. John Thee. And Dr. Thee um, thought this stuff was really great. And he went to Goodhart and he said, you know, some of the stuff you're doing is kind of complicated and technical, and it's probably a good idea that only doctors do it. 
But there's a lot of stuff you're doing that's not that complicated. You know, you, you push on an arm, you push on a leg muscle, uh, it doesn't maintain its integrity. You rub a reflex point, it strengthens the muscle, and people feel better. He said, we ought to make that available to more people than just doctors. We ought to make it available to uh, other health professionals like physical therapists, massage therapists, and even lay people so that they can take charge of healing inside their own family and their own health. And Dr. Goodhart said, I'm not really interested. If you want to do it, go ahead. So Dr. Thee um, spent some time putting together the work that Dr. Goodhart had developed in a more systematized way so that lay people who didn't have a lot of background could have a sort of step-by-step -step protocol to access using this information well. And he called what he developed Touch for Health. And in his experience, people learned about touch either for sex or punishment, and he wanted people to have a new way to understand how you can use touch. So he called his work Touch for Health. And uh, he published the Touch for Health book in 1973. It's now been translated into two dozen or more languages. Uh, the program has been taught all over the world um, to hundreds of thousands or maybe millions of people. And, uh, and when he started teaching that, other people had the opportunity to learn this skill called muscle testing. And they were able to come along and say, gee, you know, this is pretty interesting, and I can think of ways to work with it based on my previous background or training that Dr. Goodhart or Dr. Thee had never investigated. So uh, over the 1970s and 80s in particular, uh, a number of people started doing work in this field where they took it into new directions, working with coming up with ways to help people with learning disabilities with kids. So a whole system called educational kinesiology was developed, uh, working more at the emotional level and the mental level in ways that Dr. Goodhart and Dr. Thee had not really incorporated. And so there was this whole sort of explosion of research into the field. And now there's quite a few different systems in the field of kinesiology that are used by people all over the world. And a lot of different ways that people put it together. And often practitioners will take a number of different trainings and they'll incorporate the pieces of it that suit them, that they respond to or feel that they have really um, uh, good facility with. And uh, Arlene and I um, teach an advanced training program called Professional Kinesiology here uh, in Chapel Hill, as well as uh, Touch for Health, which is a program geared for anybody, lay people or health professionals can come and take it. And um, so that's a quick little background on that. And muscle testing is an art and a science. And just out of curiosity, how many people here have ever been muscle tested? Okay, and who here has never been muscle tested? Okay, so a few people. Um, normally when I give a talk like this, I do a demonstration with muscle testing. Um, but because we're doing the podcast, um, none of it would co none of it would show up on the podcast. But I can do a, a demonstration with it just um, for the people who are here. So somebody who's never been muscle tested, would you like to come up and I can show you how this works? So come on up. Okay. So the first thing I'll ask them, but I'm going to have you stand here so that your back is not facing anybody, oh. so that we're both facing the room, and. Um, and so you've never been muscle tested. So the first thing I'm going to do is ask you for permission. Is it okay if I muscle test you? Sure. Okay. And what I'm going to have you do is hold your arm out at about 30 degrees. And I'm going to push on your arm, but I don't push very hard. And I want you just to hold it there in space, okay? All right. And so hold. And how was that? It wasn't anything that I could really 
It wasn't hurting her. wasn't hurting. It was pretty easy to hold. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to do a couple of other things. And notice if any of the things I do to your arm change the response of the muscle. Okay. Okay. So hold here. And then if I go like this to your shoulder and then tell you to hold. And then if I go like that and tell you to hold. And could you tell a difference between the two different tests? Yeah. And what did you notice? The last one was easier. Okay. And the first one, actually, all I did is I, as I manually went in and switched your muscle off. And what we tell people, I wanted her to have the experience of what it's like when the muscle locks and holds easily and doesn't. Because muscle testing is a biofeedback mechanism. So when it's harder to hold, rather than up the strength that you're using, just allow it to go. So can we do that again? Yeah. So hold here. And then if I go here and do this to the front of your shoulder, and if it's harder to hold, it's okay to let it go. You don't want to struggle oh, with okay. it. Okay. Yeah. And then if I switch it back on like that and tell you to hold, tell the difference? Yeah. So now I'm going to have you do a second thing. I'm going to test your arm again and hold here. And I want you to think of something stressful. You don't have to tell me what it is, but just let me know when you're thinking about it. <laughs> thinking about it? Okay, and hold. Kind of hard to hold, huh? Yeah. Now think about something really uplifting or positive. Thinking about it? Okay, and hold. Could you tell the difference between oh, those? Yeah. You can tell the difference. Yeah. Okay. And I'm going to do one more thing. Um, have you heard of acupuncture? Yeah. Okay. And in acupuncture, they talk about there's all these energy pathways called meridians that run through the body. I'm going to have you hold your arm here. And I'm going to run one meridian called central meridian backwards. And then I'm going to push on your arm. Didn't stay up very well, did it? No. And then I'm going to run the meridian forward. And I'm just doing this an inch or two above the body and hold. Could you tell the difference? Yeah. Great. Thank you so much. Sure. Thank okay. you. Okay. And so when I meet people for the first time who've never been muscle tested, I usually go through a simple um, process like that. It gives them the experience inside their body of what it's like when the muscle locks and unlocks. And when you have that experience for yourself, it seems pretty valid. Um, and then I start to explain to people that with muscle testing, we can find out things that are causing stress to the system at a structural level at an emotional level, at an energetic level, at a lot of levels. And, um, and so you got to experience that. You could tell it at the different levels. Yeah. So that's um, sort of the beginning of what you can do with muscle testing in terms of how you would use it with somebody. Now, the thing I was going to talk about tonight is using kinesiology with animals. Um, in Touch for Health, we teach people that you can do something called surrogate testing. And with surrogate testing, you can actually test one person to get feedback about another person. You can also use it to test animals. Uh, you could use it to test babies who are too young or too small to muscle test. Uh, you could use it with somebody who uh, was unconscious and in a coma, or for some other reason you couldn't test them. And, uh, and although we teach it a lot in kinesiology, there's not very many people who actually do much work with animals, but I do. And uh, a number of years ago, I don't remember how I started into it, but um, I just started telling people I would work on animals, and now people call me up and say, can you work on my dog or my cat or my horse? Or I haven't worked on any goldfish yet. So, uh, but I'm waiting for my first goldfish to walk in the door. And, uh, and actually today, I just taught a class all day long called Kinesiology for Horses at a horse uh, farm about 10 miles from here. It's a lot of fun. And, um, and uh, with muscle testing, there's a lot of different techniques that you can learn to help reset the system when it's out of balance. Um, when we're working with people, we might find that somebody 
finds, oh, their low back hurts, or their shoulder hurts, or they're feeling stressed about something coming up in their life, or they're having a hard time getting along with their neighbor, um, or there's a whole lot of things that cause stress to people. You know, my taxes are due next week, um, and people find that there's places in their life where they're feeling challenged or stuck, or places in their life where they're just not getting kind of the results they want to get. And so uh, a lot of different practitioners in this field have put together very um, beautifully crafted and intelligent responses to that. And with muscle testing, you can not only find out where there's stresses in the system and things that are causing the body to um, lose its ability to respond in a sort of optimal way, but how you can reset the system so that it can respond better. And the same stuff that I teach people how you can do with, uh, with other people, I find you can do with animals. And uh, including a lot of the work I do with animals tends to be emotional, which some people think, well, how would that be? Um, but they have the emotions also. And most people who own animals know that. Actually, in the class I taught today, I'm quite surprised that the people who own horses are very attuned to their horses. I mean, even more so, it seems, than people who own dogs and cats sometimes. Um, so um, I guess I could talk a couple of, tell you a couple of stories of things I've done with animals as just a way of getting a sense of what you can do with this. So we had a, a woman who was um, a friend of ours and came and took a couple of classes, um, I don't know, maybe about five years ago. And she, had a, she came over once and she said she had a dog and the dog hadn't eaten in like eight days. Is that right, Elizabeth? Yeah, it was about eight days. She had taken the dog to the vet and, uh, and it had some kind of liver problem, I think, or some problem and they gave it medication and the dog stopped eating. And they realized it was because of the medication. So they took the dog off the medication after two days. But then six days later, the dog still hadn't eaten. And she said, is there anything you can do for the dog? And I said, my standard answer when people say, is there anything you can do for me or my pet is, I don't know, I can try. Just because I've had a really good result with some other person or animal with the same situation doesn't guarantee that I'm going to get the same result with you. Because this work, we work in a different model than the medical model. Um, we work in a very holistic approach that balances out the, the being, the person or the animal from the inside out so their own resources can come to the forefront. So I went over to her house and she had a small dog that was kind of like a lap dog. So I could hold it in my lap while I worked on it. And when I got there, they had um, three kinds of dog food out in the kitchen. Like three kinds of premium dog food already out in bowls in the kitchen, figuring, let's tempt the dog with anything we can think of. So they were trying to tempt this dog with anything they could think of, and, uh, but the dog wasn't eating any of it. And so I spent about an hour working with the dog, and uh, some of the work we did was emotional. And, uh, and when we were done, um, I said, okay, I think we're done. And the dog was sitting in my lap most of the time. And, um, and so we let the dog go, and it immediately trotted off into the kitchen and started eating the food that had been there all along. And, uh, and they were really, really thankful because they were certain the dog was going to die after not eating for eight days. And, um, you know, and so I don't really know what caused the dog originally to stop eating. And in this work, you don't have to always know what the cause is. You can just rebalance the system so that the person or the animal's own resources can come to the forefront. Um, Uh, we used to have a dog who lived next door to us. Uh, we live out in the country. Those of you who are here 
can see that. Uh, but for the people on the podcast, they don't know that. We live on a gravel road, and we're about a half a mile from the blacktop where the mailbox is. And um, we had this really sweet dog who lived next door, and he lived outside almost all the time. Um, and anytime anybody on the property, there's like five houses on our street, anytime anybody went outside, the dog went, went wherever they went because he figured everybody down this road was part of his pack. So anytime anybody walked to the mailbox, the dog would go to the mailbox. And um, a little bit before we actually moved here, the dog had a really bad accident. He'd been hit by a car. He um, had a broken jaw, broken hip. He lost an eye, um, really badly hurt. And um, they nursed him back to health. And, uh, and for a while, he didn't chase cars. But then after a while, he picked up this old habit of when you would walk with him to the mailbox, he would um, hide in the trees along the road and jump out and try and attack vehicles going by. But they had to be a pickup truck or bigger. He wouldn't bother with cars. And, um, and eventually, he did get hit another time, not nearly so seriously. But there got to be a point when I was feeling very uncomfortable walking to the mailbox with him because I was afraid each time that we walked was going to be the time he was going to get hit again. And, um, and although I enjoyed his company, um, I didn't have any way to keep hold of him because being a dog, he's a lot faster than I am. And he wasn't my dog, so I couldn't really chain him up. Um, so one day, um, I decided that I would do uh, some kinesiology work on him with the intention that he would stop chasing cars. And, um, and I didn't really ask the owner about it. I just did it on him. And, um, and I did a little work with him just out in the road on the way to the mailbox. And from that day on, he never chased a truck again. And every time he followed me to the mailbox, he would actually stop like 20 or 50 feet before the mailbox and just wait for me to walk the rest of the way to the mailbox, then turn around and come back. And uh, so that was pretty amazing. Um, so sometimes you can do some really amazing stuff with this work. And... Um, and the really nice thing about it is this is the vegetarian society and the people who are here love animals. And this is a, a way that um, you can actually do really beautiful work with animals and also a way that um, you can support animals as well as yourself in a very holistic way. And, uh, and we love animals as, as it says on the bumper sticker, love animals, don't eat them. And um, you know, so we wanna, we wanna be nice to our friends and um, and so this is a, a way that you can, can do this kind of work if you have some training in this. Um, and I actually have quite a few stories I could tell you, but we don't have forever to go into it. So um, I just wanted to give you sort of a flavor of some of the things that I've been able to do with, with some pets. Um, and then I said I was going to teach you guys something tonight. And the thing I'd like to teach you is called emotional stress release technique. And uh, those of you listening on the podcast, I'm going to explain what we're going to do. And you can also do it for yourself at home. And uh, you can do this in conjunction with muscle testing <laughs> as a form of biofeedback to find out where the stress is in the system and then notice the difference or in the response. But you can also do this without using muscle testing. And uh, because the people who are listening on the podcast won't have me there to test them, I'm just going to teach you guys how to do this without muscle testing, but give you a way to do your own self-assessment. So I'm going to invite you to think of a stress in your life. And the stress you're going to think of can be anything you want, but I'm going to suggest and ask that for the first time you practice this, don't pick the biggest stress in your life. Okay? You can pick the second or third biggest. You can pick some garden variety stress. But if there's one thing that really stands out as the biggest stress in your life, for the practice that we're doing the first time, don't pick that. 
So think about that stress. And then for yourself on a scale of zero to 10, I want you to rate it. With 10 being it's very stressful for you. And this is your own subjective assessment. And zero is that there's no stress around it. So does everybody have a stress? Okay, anybody not have a stress yet? Not have it rated? Okay, so now what I'm gonna have you do is a very simple little exercise. It'll take about a minute. I'm gonna invite you to close your eyes and place your hand on your forehead so that your hand is covering your forehead with light touch. And take a breath or two. And then while your hand is on your forehead, I'm gonna invite you to think about that stress. And while you're holding there, just allow your mind to review what you already know and think and feel about that stress. And now I'm gonna invite you to do something a little different, which is that to imagine that you're the director of a movie. And in this movie, you get to tell all the characters what to do, what to say, where to stand, how to respond. And I want you to imagine that you're making a movie where that stress that you have gets resolved in a way that you're really happy with. And that doesn't have to actually conform to reality. It could be that your boss is really a jerk and you imagine that he flies to the moon and never comes back. It's your movie, you get to make up however you want it to go. So I'm gonna invite you to make a quick little movie where the stress resolves itself in a way that you're really happy with. And once you've made it, I'm gonna invite you to watch that little movie through once and then watch it through another three or four times at fast speed. And when you're done, you can bring your hand off your forehead.